Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman, and this episode made me feel like I was going to meet Yoda in a Star Wars movie. So get prepared for some wisdom that might take you to places you couldn't have imagined. That's the story of Dr. Stephen Gundry's life. Graduate of Yale, he was a highly successful heart surgeon. In fact, he was the chairman of cardiothoracic surgery at Loma Linda University, often flying around the country saving the lives of babies. But then, as you'll hear, he met a patient named Big Ed, who changed the way he saw the world. See, Big Ed's heart was in terrible shape and was told by many other doctors that there was nothing they could do for him. Everyone who examined Big Ed told him that he was a goner. But Big Ed began healing himself through diet and supplements. When he showed Dr. Gundry what he was doing, Dr. Gundry became curious. He began to track Big Ed and experiment himself with Big Ed's remedies. Dr. Gundry lost a lot of weight and began to feel much healthier and that led him to ultimately leave his secure job to start counseling patients on healing themselves through what they put in their bodies. Not many people are aware of the financial hardships Dr. Gundry and his wife faced after he made this decision, hardships they endured for more than a decade. But he continued to learn as he and Penny struggled forward And then he hit it out of the park with the New York Times bestseller, The Plant Paradox. This book details the hidden dangers in food we all tend to view as healthy, but that can set off disease and weight gain. Dr. Gundry's latest book, The Longevity Paradox, How to Die Young at a Ripe Old Age, is also a national bestseller. And you can get all the tips on leading a healthier life by buying those books and his two other bestsellers or by watching his videos on the internet. I promise, though, this podcast isn't going to be a science lecture. Actually, it's more of a business class that details the sacrifices that he made in order to follow his gut to achieve his vision. Our talk was inspirational for me because I've seen what Dr. Gundry has built with all that he's learned from decades of work with his patients and through self-experimentation. He now sells products from supplements to olive oil designed to lead healthier and longer lives. And he's built what to me feels like an empire with a huge office complex outside Los Angeles and a business that employs 600 people. Now, I'm friendly with people who are patients of Dr. Gundry, people who've told me that Dr. Gundry's advice has saved their lives. But there's something else that really stands out to me. When I look around his office, I see all the jobs Dr. Gundry's created because of the risky decision he made to give up a secure way of life and go off into new territory. And the guy's unstoppable. He still sees patients on weekends. Because of the transformation I'm going through in my own life, my curiosity focused on what it takes to make such a drastic change. I'm stepping out to build a business that will help companies 
and CEOs tell their stories so that their businesses can excel. I want to seed exponential growth. I want to one day employ people and help them have better lives. Start with one or two, let's see where it goes. This is totally uncharted territory for me. I've always been out on my own, interviewing people and telling stories. Trust me, nobody is a more unlikely founder or CEO than me. It would even be laughable, except when I listen to what Dr. Gundry has done, it gives me and everybody else hope that we can transform ourselves and reach places we never even dreamed. I'm really proud to bring this conversation to you. And you know what else I'm proud of? I'm proud to tell you about my sponsors. That means Sportique. You know, we got a medical theme this week. So let me tell you what I'm doing with a friend of mine who just found out she has cancer. I'm sending her Sportique sweatpants, comfy tee, and a Sportique hoodie. Now those threads are going to be her battle armor during chemotherapy. A man I know, a survivor of testicular cancer, went through his own chemotherapy wearing Sportique sweatpants, hardly even stepped out of them. They're so soft, they gave him a sense of comfort in the most uncomfortable moments. He came to see those sweatpants as a comfort blanket. And when my friend gets that hoodie, comfy tea and sweatpants, I know she's going to be uplifted simply knowing the story of the man with testicular cancer who came through healthy. Sportique threads are the most comfortable imaginable. That's why I record my intros and outros in them. They make me feel loose and confident. Try them for yourself. Go to sportique.com. That's S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E dot com. And use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. Oh, and you're going to feel great in them if you're perfectly healthy. They're going to make you look wonderful. See what I'm talking about at sportique.com. And if you want to feel comfortable in a meeting space, let me recommend WeWork. I have a global access pass and use it whenever I'm traveling. If I need a phone booth size space, I've got it. If I need an office, got that too. If I need a conference room, they got me covered. If I need a theater space, WeWork has got my back. So check out WeWork.com. And if you use the offer code www.we.co slash cal, you'll get a 20% discount. Whenever I step into a WeWork, I meet smart and interesting people. And that's what happened to me when I was interviewing Simon Sinek a few weeks back. I asked a woman if she'd take a photo of Simon and I as we left. She obliged. And this started a crazy chain of events that ended up in a conversation between us weeks later. And she had some great ideas for me about my storytelling business and getting it off the ground. Everyone you meet at WeWork can enhance what you do. And that's why many companies send their creative teams to work there instead of in their own headquarters. So see why WeWork brands itself as the place 
where company meets community. For me, it's my home away from home. Check it out and it can become yours. And now, prepare for a healthy treat, some wisdom and inspiration from Dr. Stephen Gundry. I am so happy to be here. And I'm happy to be here with you. And I'm gonna, first off, let me congratulate you. Another bestseller for the doc. Four in a row, it's uh, unbelievable. The longevity paradox. And uh, you really have hit a chord in people where they are following you on your journey. And I would like to talk to you about how this journey got started and how you took it to this magnificent office you got how many people working here? How many? A thousand? No, it, wait, about 600? Yeah, you got 600. 600 people working for you. No, they don't work for me. I work for them. Well, Just I, ask them. <laughs> <laughs> and you were a great heart surgeon. True. <laughs> and you were the head of heart surgery at Loma Linda. Correct? True, correct. And you made a choice to take your life in a whole new direction and offer people advice on how to eat, how to prolong their lives. And I'm really curious how this all happened because here you are at the top of your game, you're saving infants' lives with heart surgery and you decide to go in a new direction. How did that happen? What was the catalyst of this? Well, I mean, the, the catalyst, as I talk about in all the books, was this guy who I call Big Ed, real person, um, who was 48 years old when I met him. He's from Miami, Florida. He had inoperable coronary artery disease. That means that all of his blood vessels were full of crud, so full that you couldn't put stents in them, you couldn't do bypasses because there wasn't any place to jump past to land a bypass. And this guy, um, there were certain centers and certain surgeons and cardiologists in this country, and still are, who liked really bad cases and were good at bad cases, take cases that nobody else would. And I was one of those people. And so Big Ed uh, had spent six months going around the country, places like Columbia, New York City, Mayo Clinic, Texas Heart Institute, Stanford, just to name some of the places he'd been. And everybody turned him down saying, no, we can't help you. And so I saw him about six months into his journey, and I looked at his angiogram, the movie of his heart, and I said, you know, I, I gotta agree with everybody else. There's nothing that I can do for you. You know, I, I don't like to turn down people, but they're all right. And he says, yeah, yeah, but look, you know, I've been on a diet for the last six months, and I've lost 45 pounds. Now, the gentleman sitting across from me was 265 pounds when I met him. Big Ed. 
And he says, and I've gone to a health food store. And he says, I'm taking all these supplements. And he literally has this shopping bag. And so, you know, I'm scratching my professor beard and saying, well, you know, good for you, Ed, for losing weight. But that's not going to do anything in your heart. And I know what you did with all those supplements. You made expensive urine. And I firmly believe that. <laughs> and he says, well, well, look, it's been six months. Why don't we get another angiogram? What would it hurt? And I said, you know, okay, don't get your hopes up. So the next day we get an angiogram and this guy cleans out 50% of the blockages in his heart. Gone. They're gone. Simply through diet and supplements. And supplements. So um, to kind of cut to the chase, when I, when I start asking him about the diet he'd put himself on, he had been on a diet that... Back in the dark ages at Yale, uh, we could make our own major, and we could actually defend a thesis to graduate. And so I had a thesis that you could take a grade ape, manipulate its food supply, manipulate its environment, and prove that you would arrive at a human being. And I actually defended my thesis, and I got an honors, and then I gave this big tome to my parents, who live in San Diego, and went off to become a very famous heart surgeon. So Big Ed starts telling me about this diet, and I go, wait a minute. You know, this is what I was thinking back then. Yeah, this, this, is, my, you know, this is my research project. Holy cow. <laughs> and you know, and the, what's so you know, prophetic about all this is that you know, when I arrived at Loma Linda, I weighed, I know exactly what I weighed. I weighed about 150 pounds. When I'm talking to Big Ed, and this is about, well, I don't know, 15 years later, I weighed 228 pounds. And I was running a lot. I was going to the gym one hour every day, and I was eating a healthy, low-fat, um, basically vegetarian diet, because that's what you do at, at Loma Linda. And I had arthritis, I had blood pressure, prediabetes, I did baby heart transplants with migraine headaches, I had horrible cholesterol, and I was told it was all genetic because my father was exactly the same way. And get over it. And, and so there's no bacon? No. You weren't loading up on the no, bacon and eggs? No, no. Okay. I, I must admit, I would go, <laughs> I, I uh, had a penchant for a McDonald's double cheeseburger on Sunday, the, the little one. Um, that, was, that was the that treat. That was it. That was the treat. That was the treat. Okay. So anyhow, and I looked at Big Ed's supplements. And I'm, among other things, I'm famous for keeping hearts alive during heart surgery and during heart transplant. And we had this brew of stuff we would put down the arteries and veins of the heart prior to clamping it off, and I'm looking through his supplements, and several of his supplements, I was putting down the veins and arteries of hearts to protect heart cells. And it never occurred to me to swallow, you know, the things. He was swallowing them. I was injecting them. And so wow. I said, son of a gun. So I, luckily my parents, you know, had my thesis. And I you said, went back. You went back to look at your thesis. Yeah, I said, you know, I called them and said, you know, you have my thesis, and they said, you know, of course it's in the shrine. Um, you know, <laughs> push the eternal flame away, and we'll grab it. 
And so I said, send it up to me. It's actually still in my office in, in Palm Springs. So I put myself on my thesis. And I started taking a bunch of supplements. Um, and I started sending my blood work off to the University of California, Berkeley, who at that time was really leading the nation in how to measure inflammation, how to measure different particles cholesterol. And my, my weight dropped 50 pounds in a year. My good cholesterol skyrocketed. My bad cholesterol went down. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes, pre-diabetes went away. My arthritis went away. And my migraine headaches went away. So I started putting the patients that I operated on at Loma Linda on my program after I operated on them with the idea that maybe I wouldn't have to operate on them again. I was very famous for doing redo operations, redo, redo operations. The so somebody else had been operated right. and they needed more yeah, help? Yeah, usually, you know, every five to seven years, you'd clog up the new stuff and we'd have to go back in. in Is fact, that really frustrating as a doctor? Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating as a doctor. In fact, we knew that there was no sense telling people to change their diets because if you're eh, 60 or 70 or 80, there's no way we're going to convince you to change your diet. So, you know, we'll just schedule you for the next operation. And, of course, we were told, taught, and most doctors are still taught, that things like coronary artery disease is progressive and it's inevitable and all we can do is hope to slow it down but it will you know progress so if that's what's going to happen then if you're a heart surgeon you should get very good at going back and do it again or again and again in fact the most I've ever been I was the ninth person inside uh, a woman's chest ninth time in Whoa. That's not very fun. So now you've got this diet and these supplements that you know not only save Big Ed, but they worked on you. Correct. Now what happens inside you when you know this worked on me? Try it. Are you expecting it to work on everybody or are you going in with a mindset of curiosity? Let me see how this works. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I've been a researcher all my life. And, you know, a researcher, you design an experiment. And the way you find out if it works is you want to prove the null hypothesis. You want to prove that you found a difference, but you're actually trying to prove yourself wrong. In other words, let's design an experiment to Prove yourself wrong. Your hypothesis is wrong. And if you can't prove it wrong... Then it's got to be right. Then it's got to be right. right. Okay. It's kind of set yourself up to fail. And if you don't fail, then it's right. So how long are you doing this after Big Ed tipped you off? So I'm doing this for about a year at Loma Linda. And I start... And I get... I ask them, let's get blood work on you every three months. And let's see what's happening. And I'll, I'll never forget, one, one day, a um, patient calls in to my nurse and said, uh, what supplement is causing, that Dr. Gundry wanted me to get, is causing me to be dizzy? And the nurse comes into my office and says, uh, what supplement's making this guy dizzy? I said, 
I don't, no, none of these things make people dizzy as far as I know. And I said, you know, get him into the clinic. And blood pressure is really low. And I said, well, that's interesting. Let's, you know, let's, he's on three blood pressure meds. I said, let's, you know, let's stop one of these. And sure enough, uh, everything returns to normal. And then one day somebody calls and said, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really lightheaded and I'm shaky. Uh, what supplement is doing this? And, you know, no, there's not someone doing it. Well, it turns out that they were on insulin and they were diabetic. And now they're, the insulin was driving their blood sugar too low. So we'd say, well, let's cut back the insulin dose. And lo and behold, you'd start seeing these patterns. And then you'd see on the blood work that, in fact, their inflammation was going down or their cholesterol was correcting. So after about a year of all this and seeing these changes that I could document in people, I basically remember it was a Friday morning. I was looking in the mirror. This is Black Friday. It was a good old Black Friday. That, that's what that your wife, wife Penny calls it. <laughs> and, you know, I said, I, you know, I'm doing this all wrong. I shouldn't operate on people and then teach me how to avoid me. You know, I was trying to avoid reoperations, which was a good cause. I should teach people how to eat, and I may never have to operate on them in the first place. Now, you know, that's really dumb. Um, <laughs> Why is it dumb? Well, because an academic heart surgeon can make a very decent living. Um, you know, you don't get ungodly rich, but you make a decent living. But as I found out, teaching people how to eat d doesn't pay very well. Um, so what happens on Black Friday? How do you so, say to Penny, you know, and this is what I'm really curious about because I'm making big changes in my life and I feel like I'm going to go on this path. So it's very important for me to understand what you went through. Well, so the first thing you do is don't go on this path. <laughs> <laughs> but you did, and look at you. That's my advice. You got 600 that, people that, here. That's my advice. Laney, um, Orchid, <laughs> they look great. I mean, I guess if I had known what I was going to get in for, I, you know, I maybe wouldn't have done this, but I didn't, I didn't know any better. But I just, you know, I really felt, and maybe it's because... I've always been interested in helping people. That's actually why I went into medicine. I think actually most doctors go into medicine for the right reason and then rapidly find out that the reason they went into medicine isn't what modern medicine is all about. In fact, just to diverge, wow. yesterday a young man who just joined the faculty at University of California Riverside Medical School who have a, a family medicine program at our hospital, and I have residents rotate with me. He comes in and he says, you don't know me. And he says, I want to introduce myself. And he says, I'm a new faculty member here. And he says, I, my mission is to change our medical school around so that we teach exactly what you teach. And I realize that's a lot to bite off, but uh, would you help me? And I said, you really want to... You want to go down that you road, do you? want to go down you? this path? Okay, sit down. <laughs> let, let, me, let me show you what you're up against. But Well, well hang on. Let's, let's take Black Friday and okay, put it in back, perspective, yeah. because how long had you thought before you, you're going to say to Penny, you know what? 
I'm going to make a change. How long did it take you to get to the point where you, you could tell that to her? Well, you know, it was, it was actually really obvious. I mean, if anybody looked at me and saw the transformation, uh, a lot of people thought I had cancer because, uh, you know. Just because you're getting thin. Because I'm getting thin. I, and, you know, are you all right? Well, but, you know, I'd have my face change dramatically. Uh, I used to have fairly shallow skin, sallow skin. Now, as you can see, you know, my face is really radiantly colorful, for lack of a better word. And people say, you've been out in the sun. And you got pink cheeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's actually what I eat. And it's actually... It's coming from the inside out. It's coming out. from the inside out. So, uh, you know, she was seeing it. My faculty was seeing it. And, you know, my patients, you, you could see it on their blood work. And so... You know, I, I just, one morning I said, you know, I've got this all wrong. And I should, you know, start teaching people how to eat and then see if we don't have to operate on them. And, you know, I, I start one of my lectures with a quote from Upton Sinclair. Um, the jungle. The jungle, the muckraker. Yeah. And Upton Sinclair said, it's difficult to get a man to understand something if his understanding it affects his salary. <laughs> and, and, you know, no, nothing could be more the truth. And that, I understood it, and I understood, I really didn't understand how much, how much it was going to affect my salary. Um, but there were, and there was no was there no half and half on this? Well, that's yeah, what I'm curious about. Yeah. So what I what I said is I'm gonna well I'm gonna resign my position because we you couldn't do it in in that system at Loma Linda. Maybe you could now, but in, at least not then. And I'm gonna move nearby to Loma Linda, Palm Springs, which is about 40 miles away, and I'm gonna set up an office, I'm, I'm gonna affiliate with the hospital. I'm still, I'm still gonna operate, because uh, I'm still really good at this, but rather than operating two or three times a day, I'm gonna operate two days a week in the morning only. And the rest of the time, if I'm lucky, uh, I'll ask people to come in, let me take your blood every three months uh, that insurance will pay for. Let me send you to Costco or Trader Joe's. There wasn't an Amazon back then. And let's try some supplements and let me see what happens. And so she said, well, you know, I've, I've backed you so far along the way. If this is what you got to do, you know, let's do it. Did she understand what was coming? No, nor did I. <laughs> and what happens after that? Well, uh, luckily, people started showing up. At, at the office. I didn't advertise, uh, but word of mouth kind of started showing up and we kind of, we kept the lights on with me operating on, but you don't get paid. To, so, I mean, for instance, um, you would might, might get $1,500 to do a coronary bypass in the modern age. That's actually all you get. Uh, but to see a person for a half an hour um, in the office, you'd get about 
$65 from Medicare for a half an hour. Wow, so we can see what you're trading. Yeah, and you have to keep the lights on in the office, you have to have a staff, you have to have... So, uh, long story short, we didn't even tread water. We actually, we went through all of our retirement funds. Oh, man. All of our savings. What's Penny thinking? She's thinking, what the heck? Um, I didn't didn't sign up for this. (laughs) I didn't sign up for this. Although it's funny, uh, somebody... Somebody read a horoscope on her years ago uh, before we got married and it said, uh, as long as it, it's interesting, you'll stay in your marriage. And, <laughs> and so how much better you know, can you get? I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, it was really interesting. Well, what, what are you going through? Because now th- this is really what I'm curious about. Because in, your, in your, your heart and your head, you know all this experience I'm having is right. Yeah, yeah. And something inside you just feels compelled to push it forward. Yeah, I mean, from really from day one, we'd start, you know, seeing these changes in people. And they'd start, you know, throwing their diabetes meds away. They'd start throwing your high blood pressure meds away. They'd get better. Uh, I'll never forget it's now been, we were just celebrating his anniversary. I think it's like, I don't want to exaggerate, 12 or 15 years. I had a gentleman who was in his early 60s in the uh, pre-op room going into surgery. He had had a heart attack. He had severe triple vessel disease, lots of blockages. And we always, you know, I always stopped by and I said, you know, you ready to go? How you feel about this? And he says, yeah, Doc, I'm scared to death. I don't think I can do this. And I said, well, you know, that's okay. If you feel that way, we're not going to do this. I said, but here's the deal. If we do this, you got to follow my program or, you know, you got to agree that we're going to come back here and do this because you've got a life-threatening blockages. He says, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Never forget the day. There's been a number of these people. But so he starts following the program. He's a horrible diabetic, um, bad lifestyle. Anyhow, um, his chest pain starts going away almost immediately. His angina. And we keep seeing him, and we keep seeing him. And a year into this, we do a new stress test, which was wildly positive before. And his stress test is negative. And he says, how can that be? And I said, well, because, you know, it's cleaning out. So I think it's, it's either 12, 14, 15 years now, and we still see each other. He has yet to have an operation. He's now in his mid-70s. And, you know, here's a guy who I was ready to slice open, and he got scared, and bless his heart, uh, literally, he, he doesn't have an operation. And he's not a diabetic anymore. So all this is wildly successful, but you're paying the price economically. Correct. How bad did things get? Uh, well, I mean, bad enough. We, um, we had our house foreclosed on. We had to do a short sale. We had to rent apartments or little houses 
for about, I don't want to exaggerate, but 12, 13 years. For 12 or 13 years? Yeah, and here's a guy who was, you know. You're at the top of the game. Top of the game, very successful heart surgeon, and, and my wife's going, you know, the creditors uh, who, we had disconnect our phones. Uh, Just so the creditors couldn't get to you because yeah, well, you yeah. paid the phone it, bill. You know, and my attorney and accountant would say, you know, well, you know, who are we going to pay this month? And see, I mean, we, we literally had to have my parents who were in their 80s sign to lease cars because we had no credit. And at one point, our attorney said, you, you know, you've got to declare bankruptcy. You have too much debt. Uh, and I said, you know, I am not going to do that. So I actually started working on the weekends, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and to see patients. Uh, and I said, you know, maybe if I can make another, you know, $400 on Saturday and another $400 on Sunday, that's $800 that I didn't have. And, you know, we can pay some bills. So that's actually how I started working on weekends. And it wasn't, at that time, the pure joy of seeing somebody. It was like, maybe, I, maybe I can get another 60 bucks um, and pay the bills. And, and so all this time you're going through this, you know, I got something here that I cannot give up on. Yeah. And no matter what, I'm pushing through this. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, my wife, to her credit, you know, kept saying, you know, okay, this is really stupid, but, you know, you, we've gone this far. Some, we kept saying, something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. And uh, What was that something? Well, you know, it's actually a kind of a simultaneous event. Uh, throughout this period of time, I would have supplement companies uh, come to me and say, we'd, we'd like to p have you put your name on our line of supplements. And uh, stupidly, you know, because I was in academics, I, I never actually wanted, I never did sell supplements in my office to make money. You, a lot of docs, that's how they pay the bills, quite frankly. But you were educated differently not to do that. Yeah, because I didn't want to be involved monetarily in my research. Because right. that, to me, was... There was, was a wall between yeah. your research. I, that, I was my, that was my ethics. Right. Um, Man, do I understand this. Yeah, and I just couldn't do it. Right. Even if it meant, you know, we couldn't pay the bills. I just couldn't do it because it was a... It was, it was a research project. I mean, dumb, you know, because I was an academic researcher. So anyhow, these companies would say, well, you know, and i go, no, 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 I, I'm not ever going to do a line of supplements if, unless I can control what goes into the supplement because, you know, not, I've now got 15 years of research that knows exactly what works and what doesn't work and the effect it's going to have based on my patients. So, you know, every three months showing up to get their blood work and fiddling. And if you're putting my face on your product, product then, and it's not exactly what I'm saying, I'm, then everything and again, means how, nothing. Yeah, and again, how stupid is that? Um, 
I mean, it's, it's really stupid. Uh, if your purpose is to make money, right, or even really to you know keep the wolves away from the door, um, but but that was my dumb ethics. Uh, it's just really stupid. So anyhow, I had quite a good book that I had written in the late uh, 2000, 2008, uh, called Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution, and it it came out literally right when the Great Recession started. Um, <laughs> oh. Well, now, what did that do? Did it just, you know, I remember Borders Bookstore closing right at that time. Yeah, yeah. So it was supposed to be a bestseller. It was going to be the next Adkins book. And it did well, but it didn't do what everybody, including me, hoped it was going to do in terms of making me a monetary success. And I'm actually, one of the best things that ever happened to me was that book, which actually still sells very well, not being the runaway monster success that I thought it was going to be. Why? Because I would have drunk my own Kool-Aid at that point and said, wow, have I figured this out? And I don't have to think anymore. I don't really have to question anymore. This is the answer because, look, it's a... It's a bestseller. But it wasn't. And so I had to get back to work. And oh man. And so I kept seeing patients, you know, day after day. And I kept actually looking at the data of my patients and going, huh, uh, this thing that I wrote in the book isn't exactly right because now I have a new test and this is a better test and look at this. So I kept tweaking with what I asked people to do. And that finally uh, came out with, it was called the matrix. So uh, the matrix is actually a word in computers of the input and output of a, of a computer, the matrix. And it was also based on the movie. Right. And uh, the original title of the plant paradox was the matrix. And it got voted down because it was apparently too much male-oriented, and The Matrix eventually became kind of a shoot-up movie. And so anyhow, it was called The Matrix, and it was a two-page list, good foods and bad foods. And so we started shopping the, the next book, which was called The Matrix, and uh, Collins picked it up, and I said, look, we had some problems with Dr. Gundry's diet evolution because they made me change some things I didn't want to change. And you can't touch my good food, bad food list. And they said, oh, this is so crazy. You know, we love it. This is the whole reason we want this book. This is, this is nutty. And because the, the foods you're telling people not to touch are foods are, that everybody, everybody thinks is good for them. Correct. I, uh, tomatoes. Yeah. So almost simultaneous with this, I was giving a, a lecture on the matrix to a group of young entrepreneurs uh, that's called Summit. And Summit was supposed to be, and maybe is, the, you know, kind of the next generation's Aspen Institute. And I know it well. Okay, so uh, I give this kind of lecture. And on the final day, uh, a young man by the name of Craig Clemens comes up. I had no idea this. My pal Craig. Your pal Craig uh, comes up. At Summit. At Summit. And 
he, Penny and I are there, and he, he comes up. He says, you know, what you're talking about is, is really you know, intriguing. I've never heard anything like this. He said, have you ever thought about doing supplements you know, to back up what you say? And I said, and Penny and I both roll our eyes and go, oh, geez, do not. Not another one. Not another one. And, and <laughs> you, you know Craig. Craig, you know, would if he walked up to you on the street, you would think he would have his hand out asking for a dollar. Is that, is that a, a nice description? And, and the most generous person in the world. Correct. So here's this, in, in our vernacular, a hippie-looking guy uh, <laughs> saying, uh, have, you, have you ever thought about doing supplements? And I said, well, yeah, yes, but you know, no, because I'd have to control what went into the supplements. And he goes, well, we could do that. And so Penny says, well, okay, so what's your distribution? How are you going to sell it? And he says, oh, we make 45-minute infomercials on the Internet. And Penny, in her immortal words, says, right. Who's going to watch a 45-minute infomercial on the Internet? And he said, well, you actually might be surprised. And (laughs) we were surprised. So, you know, now, what, 90 million people have watched my 45-minute infomercials on the internet. And where did the knowledge of lectins come in? Because that was the driving force behind the plant paradox. Yeah, so lectins, actually, I knew about lectins from my research at Yale and that we ate a diet, we were basically a tree-dwelling ape that changed because of actually climate change, and that's actually another book, but it's a cool book. Um, Bestseller number uh, five. I hope so. Or six. It'll be six. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyhow, um, we reacted with this plant protective system for many, many millions of years, as do other animals, and we have a defense system, and we get used to the lectins that we've been exposed to. And then fast forward to 10,000 years ago when we suddenly started eating grains and beans, and which are very highly lectin-containing foods of a totally different class of lectins that we'd never seen. And my research from Yale had shown that 10,000 years ago, we were actually very tall creatures. We were about six feet tall, and our brain size was about 15% bigger than it is today. And in 2,000 years of grains and beans, of agriculture, we shrunk about a foot, and our brain size shrunk uh, about 15%. And you go, well, that's weird. You know, why did we shrink? Um, Because our health actually dramatically declined. And so I started saying, son of a gun, I need to start looking why this is, and then research... Uh, showed me that lectins were were the cause of this. And again, research means look again. It's already known. Uh, A researcher just looks again. There's actually very little new that is known. And so you start going down these rabbit holes, and you go, son of a gun, look at that, look at that. And it all started to click. For anyone who hasn't read your book or heard about lectins, could you really briefly just describe... The, the process. Yeah, so plants don't like us. They were here first. They have to protect themselves against predation because they can't 
walk away or run away. So they make, among other things, a protein called a lectin that is a sticky protein that sticks to the wall of our gut, it sticks to the wall of our joints, it sticks to the wall of our blood vessels, it sticks to the junction between nerves, and it disrupts communication, it makes leaky gut, it makes things hurt. And the idea is that if an animal feels lousy or isn't thriving, that the smart animal will stop eating that plant and go off and do something else. And it is a very def good defense system, except humans, as you and I both know, are very stupid. And so when we eat things that make us shrink a foot or, you know, feel bad or get depressed or have joint aches, we keep eating those things and take pain relievers or antidepressants or statin drugs all the time believing that we are not in control of what's going to happen to us. And so this information goes into the book Plant Paradox and it really strikes a chord in people. True. And is that the moment that kind of lifted what you're doing into the stratosphere? Yeah, it really did. So the combination, I mean, the combination of Gundry MD, getting started literally when the plant paradox came out, um, just, you know, changed things. And it's been a very nice ride so far, in fact, you know, Gundry MD um, used to have, when I first joined on, probably had about 40 employees. And the, the place where it was located, I parked my car and was really worried that my car wasn't going to be there when I came back out. <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad. And, and now, you know, there's, a there's beautiful a beautiful, huge here, facility huge. here. And, uh, you know, and, the, and the, 600 people have jobs. And have jobs. And, 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 the, and the nice thing is that, you know, every, every one of the Gundry MD products is based on, you know, my research, my input of what happens to real people. And, I mean, I don't think any other nutritionist can actually claim that these products are the result of 20 years of actually looking what works and doesn't work in human beings not in a test tube, not in a Petri dish. So you've been wildly successful with this after basically putting yourself out there and whatever risks you had to take, you took. Whatever difficulties you had to go through, you went through. Now that you're writing bestseller after bestseller, now that you're selling a lot of supplements, what goes through your mind? Gratitude. Gratitude. Um, that's what goes through my mind. And, you know, gratitude for my incredible people who have actually allowed me to do this, my support staff, um, my writers, uh, my wife. But like I talk about in my book, my patients. None of this would have happened to me, both the bad and the good, without my patients volunteering. To they this. educated you. Yeah, because they would ask me a question that I couldn't answer. And, you know, I would find out. Or they would say, I mean, they would say, uh, I want to take this supplement. Uh, what do you think? And I go, I don't know anything about this supplement. I'll tell you what, I'm going to put myself on it. 
in a, you know, stay tuned, you know, I'll get back to you in a month. So I have actually never given anybody something that I don't personally take or haven't tried before I let them take it. Now, you know, what other doctor could actually say, I've tried everything I've ever prescribed for you? They wouldn't because they go, are you kidding? The side effects of this? I wouldn't take that. Are you crazy? So where does that put you now? Because just wrapping this all up, I know that a lot of people in, who were in your shoes could basically now take a lot of time off, ruminate about it. When am I doing my next book? And you're telling me you're seeing patients on weekends. Correct. You know, it's funny. I was um, asked to speak at the weekend in, in Aspen last fall, and I was walking down the street with a very famous, incredibly successful uh, doctor who's got lots of bestsellers. And we're walking down the street, and he says, you're not still seeing patients, are you? And I said, well, yeah, every day. And he says, well, what are you doing that for? You don't have to do that. And I said, well, you know, how would I possibly not see patients every day because I have four bestsellers because I see patients every day and I've learned from them. I learned in the two years between the plant paradox and the longevity paradox a ton of information that isn't in the plant paradox because I learned it over the last two years and it's now in the longevity paradox. So, you know, I'm still a kid in a candy store. And so why, I, I can't imagine someone in my position not doing that and be intellectually honest. I mean, there are some people who have actually, physicians who have never seen a patient in their lives, who have not changed their position on nutrition in 20 years, despite all that we have learned in the last 20 years, they haven't changed one iota. And a couple of them are critics of mine. It seems to me, listening to this journey, that you really had no choice. I mean, there, there were choices, but knowing what you knew, you just had to keep going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's actually the same way with my surgical career. The way it went, you know, I, I really had no choice. Uh, like we were talking off camera, uh, we didn't get, Leonard Bailey and I didn't get paid for any of our baby heart transplant work. And we would hop in an airplane, go across country, harvest a heart from a little baby someplace, come back, put it in, you know, stay up 36 hours, lose sleep, and not get paid for it. And you go, why do you do that? Well, number one, because it's the right thing to do. And number two, somebody had to do it so that we could advance the science to where a baby heart transplant or heart transplant, for that matter, is you know, routine. You know, Dr. Starzl, one of the great fathers of liver transplant and of transplantation in general, of the 51st liver transplants, I'm pretty sure only one survived. And the University of Colorado basically told him, you got to shut this down. And to his credit, he kept at it. And to his credit, uh, 
now a liver transplant is a routine operation. That about sums it up, I'd say. I found what I came looking for. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. Correct. And you have a sense, maybe that's what it is, that it's the right thing to do. Well, thank you so much for all the good you do. I've told you off camera, I run into people who have been your patients, and when they mention your name, the sentence, he saved my life, always comes after it. So thank you on behalf of my friendship with them because they're still alive, but also for, for this hour of encouragement uh, to me and to anybody else who's going off on a journey that may seem a little murky at times, but you just feel it right inside your heart. And you gotta make some changes, and you do and you just keep going forward. Thank you. Chop wood and carry water. That's the way to enlightenment. <laughs> I'm going to get my axe. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dr. Gunji. That about wraps it up. I want to thank Tim Ferriss for nudging me to start this podcast. It's always taken my curiosity to new places. And I want to thank Lainey and Orchid in Dr. Gunji's office for being particularly helpful in bringing this to you. Got to give one last shout out to my sponsors, Sportique, for making the most comfortable hoodies, tees, and sweatpants you can find. If you go to sportique.com, that's S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E.com, you're going to find them at a 20% discount if you use the offer code CAL. So go to sportique.com and check out those trends. Also, I want to thank WeWork, my home away from home. Find the office space you need at WeWork.com and go to www.we.co slash Cal for a 20% discount. Maybe we'll bump into each other there by the water cooler with the cantaloupe slices in it. And thank you all for sending me photos of where you listen to big questions. Often leads to a great back and forth via email. So keep those photos coming always make my day. I look forward to clinking glasses with all of you. Cheers. Cheers.